Well, if you have your outline uh, in your bulletin, why don't you take that out as well? Today we are discussing the value of ministry. And let me just say this, for those of you who are dot your I, cross your T, got to fill in every blank kind of people, uh, I'm not going to finish all the blanks today. All right? All right? So you can still sleep tonight. You'll still be able to. Bring it back next week, though. Um, This is really a two-parter that I'm putting together because next week ends, culminates with our uh, Connection Sunday and finding a place to find a ministry. So I have a reason for that, uh, a purpose for that. Uh, And that is this, and I'll make no bones about it. The purpose from this week's message and next week's message and the one that Pastor JC gave last week is for you to find a place to serve somehow in some way. That is the purpose. I will lay that out first and foremost. And I don't apologize about that at all. You were created for this. You, 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 you were made for this. In fact, it's one of our values that we're going to read right now up on the screen, this value of ministry. Would you read it with me? It says, we believe that God has called and uniquely gifted every believer to serve in the body of Christ. It says, we believe that. Do you? Do you believe? And if you do, that means you're serving right now. And if you do believe that and you're not serving, I have to say you need to. You're not being a Christ follower. You're not following him. You're not being an obedient Christ follower if you're not serving in somehow, in some way. And so today, we're not just going to talk about this. We need to do it as well. In fact, let me kind of share this illustration to, to get you to understand this a little bit more. Uh, do we have any Elvis Presley fans in the house today? Do we, do we have any? Okay, there, there are some. You notice I didn't say a follower of Elvis Presley. I said a fan of Elvis Presley, right? Right? Okay. I, I don't necessarily get this phenomenon, but, you know, it's been a part of our culture uh, for years. Uh, 37 years after his death, people are still talking about his life. Uh, in fact, I mentioned it to someone on, on Thursday uh, that I was going to speak a little bit and share a little illustration. Uh, she said, I remember where I was when he passed away. I remember the year that it was that he passed away. Actually, I do as well. Um, I was in my aunt and uncle's home when a news break came on the television, and I remember hearing about Elvis Presley had passed away. Do you realize 25 years after his death, they released all of his uh, favorite songs, and it went to number one on the charts uh, for three weeks? That is 25 years after Elvis Presley passed away. Now, I don't always get that. I don't understand uh, what his life was or the phenomenon of his music and all that. But here's what I have heard from the people who know him and knew him best. That many of his friends would say that he lived an unfulfilled and unhappy life. He died of obesity and uh, drug dependency at age 42. And in an interview with his wife, Priscilla, here is what his wife said about her husband, Elvis Presley. She said, Elvis never came to terms with who he was meant to be or what his purpose in life was. Said he thought he was here for a reason, maybe to preach maybe to serve, maybe to save, maybe to care for people. That agonizing desire was always with him, and he knew he was not fulfilling it. 
She said, so he'd go on stage so he wouldn't have to think about it to perform and to entertain people. She said, Elvis really didn't have a clue where to look at this. Really, in many ways, he was lost. Now, many people would say, well, he had a religious side to him. He had a number of religious songs that he recorded and such. Yes, but he forgot that it wasn't about him that he wasn't the one to be center stage. Remember what his wife just said here. She said he was here to do something. He knew that, to serve, to preach, to save. He was here to do something with his life, but he just couldn't figure it out. First Baptist Church, I do not want you to get to the end of your life and say, I could not figure out what my purpose was in life. I do not want you to be there. I do not want people to say that about you. I don't want people to say, well, she thought she could do something more. Well, he thought he had something else to do. No, you do. And today we're going to talk about that calling. It says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's what? What does it say there? We are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good. What does it say? To do good works. The Greek word there for workmanship is poema, which is similar to the word poem. He wrote you. He created you. He he designed you and he designed you in Christ Jesus, his son, to do good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That means you are created and made with a purpose, not just to consume, but to also contribute. You were created to serve. You were saved to serve. You were gifted to serve. You were shaped to serve. And if God gives us that kind of assignment, then I also believe that he's going to equip us to do that as well. And the way that God equips us is through giving us spiritual gifts. Now, we don't get to talk a lot about spiritual gifts here today. I wish I could share that. But sometime in this next year, I'm hoping to go over a series on spiritual gifts and what they allow us to do. But these are giftings that you do not have before you became a Christian. But when you decided to follow Christ, then he gave you special giftings. But those giftings are not for your benefit. They are for the benefit of the body. They're for the benefit of those around you. They're for the benefit of the church. And they are to be used to serve those like that. In fact, look at what it says here out of 1 Peter 4.10. In fact, uh, read this with me. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Notice it doesn't say you've been given a gift so that you can use it to make money. You did not receive giftings from God to gain fame and popularity. You did not give giftings from God to do things on your own agenda. Your giftings are to be used to serve who? I'm sorry, I missed that one. To serve who? God. Or, what does it say right there? Use it to serve one another. Now, you've tied those in. That's the way we want it to be. You serve God by serving others. That's what God has called us to do. In fact, would you say this? It is not about me. Would you say that? It is not about me. Now say it again like you truly, truly kind of believe that. All right? All right? Let's try it. Ready? Say it. It is not about me. In fact, turn to your neighbor right now and tell them, it's about you. Okay? Tell them, it's about you. It's about you. It is. 
It's about serving you. The Bible says you are saved to serve. You know what the Bible also calls you? Calls you a minister. Now that's an interesting term. Because I know that many times if you say the word minister, you think of, you know, this like robe that a pastor kind of wears or this collar or you get very solemn or you turn the one syllable word God into three syllables, God, right? Right? That's, that, that's what a minister does, okay? No, no. Take all that, throw it out the window. You are ministers. The Bible says every believer is a minister, And what ministry is, ministry is simply using the way God shaped you, using your giftings, using your spiritual gifts to help someone else in the name of God. And so if you are a Christ follower, you're a minister because your salvation has called you to serve. Let me say that one more time. If you are a Christ follower... And I'll acknowledge, there are some people in here who are not Christ followers yet. That's okay. You guys just keep coming along. You, you see how, how it is. Well, I'm not going to, this message is not directly aimed at you, but understand you will never have more fulfillment that when you, then, when you turn your life over to Christ and then see his purpose and his mission for you in your life. And so those of you who have already done that, if you are a Christ follower, your salvation has called you to serve. And so you're a minister. Understand that. Now, I know that can be a little scary. And so we have a model to follow. And the model is serving like Jesus. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 20. And I'll be reading a couple of different passages here out of Matthew chapter 20. They, they go back to back, but they're in different sections. It's the one I already read today talking about the mission trip, the team. Matthew 20, verse 28. This is Jesus. He's talking about himself when he says, even as the Son of Man, who was Jesus, he he described himself as being called the Son of Man, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Please get this and please understand that this is very important. Your spiritual giftings determine what ministry you serve in. How God shaped you and made you determine what ministry you serve in. But your attitude determines your maturity. Your your, your fruit, the fruit of your life, determines the maturity. And there's a big difference between that because some people get all excited about serving and they forget how we're supposed to serve. We're supposed to serve like Jesus served. We're supposed to serve with the heart of Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because many people spend so much time in life looking for significance or looking for self-worth or looking for uh, uh, true self-esteem and they look for it in all the wrong places. And so I unapologetically say, that you will never find true self-worth and you will never find true self-significance like you will find when you serve God by serving others. That is when it comes to fruition. Elvis Presley was looking for that in his life. You know now where to find that. Scripture talks about that. That you were created to do good works. 
And you will never find your true giftings. You will never find your true self-worth or significance in life. It is not done by serving God, by serving other people. That's the paradox of Christianity. That when you give your life away, that's when you find it. That's why Anna Morgan goes on all these mission trips. I mean, she's been on numerous, numerous, numerous mission trips because she has a calling in her life. That's why Bob and Anna serve our, with our Thanksgiving meal. That, that whole ministry, our Thanksgiving outreach that we do, came because they know they were created to serve. Also, the SOS day, the Serve Our Stockton days, and Love Stockton that we have and that we do, that came about because Bob and Anna said, we're not here just to take up space. We're here to serve our community. Let me give you another example of this. The, the golf tournament that I just talked about. Sherry Dendone puts that on. She's the main leader of that with many other team members. Our buddy and Sherry here today? There they are right there. She puts that on um, along with Buddy, um, and they do that so that they can raise funds to give out to the community. One of the places that they've been giving to is to a burn unit up in the Sacramento area that's not even a Christian-based burn unit. They like to do that because they want to say, here's a gift from a church because we love you and we see what you are doing of helping little children who have suffered burns to go to a camp and to have a great time. They know that some church down in Stockton loves them and maybe in the midst of all that, they'll know that a God loves them as well. Do you know why Buddy and Sherry are here today? Because of Timothy White's funeral service, which he was a police officer that got killed in the late 80s and attended here at First Baptist. Pastor Jim did that ceremony, had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of law enforcement officers here on these grounds, was able to share about the difference that they make in the community as police officers, but also the difference that Jesus Christ can make in their lives. That's why Buddy and Sherry came first, because God's message was shared at that funeral service. Well, is it any wonder that about two months ago when another police officer died on, uh, in our police force here in Stockton that Sherry didn't step up and say, hey, how about we use this opportunity to reach out to our community force with the police officers? And I said, how do you want to do that? She said, the funeral services are going to be up in North Stockton. How about we have all the children come here onto our grounds um, as a safe place so that the moms can drop them off or the parents can drop them off and then go up into the funeral and not have to worry about their children. We'll incorporate them into our day camp, and can they come be a part of this? I said, absolutely, that's a great idea. Mrs. Blary stepped up from our, chil- from our school, said that's a great idea. Let's do that. Now, why did she do that? Because in her heart, she knows how she came to First Baptist Church by someone getting that message in front of her at a funeral time, and she wants those parents to be able to hear that message as well and not have to worry about their children being safe. That's called ministry. Some of the greatest ministries that will take place, we have no idea about because they're in your hearts. God's stirring them up. Our staff has absolutely nothing to do with them because God has shaped you and gifted you, and all you need to do is step up and say, hey, here's what I want to do. In fact, you don't even need to ask permission from your staff. Just go do it. Now, if it's here on campus, okay, we need a little permission on that one. But most of the time, you just go do it. Serve in the name of Jesus. And so let me give you a couple of thoughts here on how we do that, all right? First point, first major point I wrote down there, serving like Jesus means being, first answer, available. Being available to serve. Being available in the middle of your day. Um, One day, Jesus was walking down the street, 
and he's leaving Jericho because he had a place to go. It was actually to go ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, pretty important thing. But he's leaving Jericho, and two blind men start yelling at him. Follow the verse there just after what I read before. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard, because they didn't see it, but they heard, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy. Now, they really don't know where they're crying out to. They just hear this buzz and this crowd getting excited. And so they start yelling out. And you can imagine what the crowd starts doing. Shh. Quiet, quiet, quiet. This is a very important person over here. Stop crying out like this. Look what it says. It says the Lord or the crowd was the one who rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more. Lord, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. Now watch what it says in verse 32. And stopping... Jesus called them and said, what do you want me to do for you? In your Bibles or on your outline, would you circle that word stopping? NIV might say stopped. Circle that word. If you want to be used by God, you must be willing to be interrupted. Let me say that again. If you want to be used by God, you must be willing to be interrupted. If you do a study of the life of Jesus, you will see that the most miracle that most of the miracles that Jesus did were from interruptions. In fact, someday I want to do a study on not tracing the steps of Jesus, but tracing the stops of Jesus and seeing all the places where he stopped and the interruptions that happened there. I mean, all the people he healed. He healed a blind man from an interruption, a lame man, sick people, a paralyzed man, the dead child. All were interruptions to his day. The first miracle that he performed, he was at a wedding, probably having a good time, was tapped on the shoulder, interrupted, saying, oh, we got a little need over here. The wine has gone out. Can you help with that? The second miracle that he did was an interruption on his way as he was walking to Galilee. Many times in ministry... Almost all the ministry that Jesus did was because he allowed himself to be interrupted. And if you want to serve like Jesus, those stops in your schedule are not interruptions, but they're appointments that God has for you to serve. Not interruptions, but we see them now as appointments. This last Tuesday morning, I was at the men's breakfast. We were talking about ministry because JC had shared a great message about ministry the week before. We talk about the message the next week. I went out to my car afterwards, was not anticipating, but a mother with a couple of children walked up and said, could you give us some money? We need to go here to here to here to here. And I said, you know what, ma'am? I'm sorry. I, I never hand out money, but I'm more than willing to help you in another way. Do you have a need? She said, yeah, I'd really like some food we haven't eaten in a, in a while. I said, come on in here. And I brought them back in, got them hooked up with the waitress that um, we always do our breakfast with there. I said, can you give them a great table? I said, here's some money, pay for their meal. Um, if it's not enough, I'll be in next week because we're in every week, so I'll cover it there. But she said, nope, it should be more than enough. You're good to go. I said, would you take care of them, please? 
Now, that was just serving in the name of Jesus. It was allowing myself to be interrupted in some way, somehow. In my front yard, I try and do that often as well. I don't always do really well at this because I'm focused. When I'm, when I'm mowing my lawn, I am mowing my lawn, all right? But every time I'm out there mowing my lawn, I got my next-door neighbor who comes over, and he just wants to talk. Uh, there have been times when uh, my mower's going, and I see him out of the corner of my eye, and I turn back around, and I keep mowing like this. I know. I have to admit that. There are. But most of the time right now, I just try and set it up where, okay, he's going to come out and he's going to want to talk. And you know what? That's what I want to do because that's not an interruption. That's an appointment. And I want to see it as such. In fact, he's my neighbor that I have prayed for to come around here at First Baptist. I've invi- we've got him here three different times. Most of the time that I invite him to get here is when I tell him, would you just come and evaluate me as a speaker and give me feedback? See, I'm tricky, aren't I? I'm pretty tricky on how I do that, right? Right? So he does. He takes it seriously, and he listens, and, uh, and he gets evaluated. I also say, would you come and evaluate how friendly our people are at First Baptist? Ooh. No, good reports. Good reports. In fact, the last time he came in, he said, man, you guys are doing some good things. You know, the last time uh, he came was when I shared the message on why do bad things happen to good people. I said, just see if I answer the question." See, I wanted him to hear the gospel, man. I wanted him to hear how God is working in the midst of bad things. Those are seeds that are planted. In fact, when our, when our pulpit committee was, was, was seeing if I was going to be the candidate and was, was wanting to do background research, they went to each of my neighbors and knocked on their doors and checked to see what kind of neighbor I was to them. And they still nominated me as the candidate here. <laughs> Oh, we, we, we want, most of the time, most of the time that I am not being used is because, well, I'll, I'll share this in just a bit, but the barriers to availability, and I'll share those in just a second. Here's the verse though I want to share, Proverbs 3.28. As we talked about neighbors, do not say to your neighbor, go and come again, tomorrow I will give it, when you have it with you. If a neighbor is in need, step up, help them, bless them. Be a servant-hearted person. Don't procrastinate. Be spontaneous. Be sensitive. Be a let's-do-it kind of person, doing the right thing for the right reason in the right time with the Spirit of God, give, that Spirit of God that He gives to you ministering in His name. Now, I said there are some times when I know personally I don't do this as well as others. Let me give you some of those reasons. Maybe you have some of them as well in your life, but what keeps us from being available? First thing I wrote down there was a sense of self-centeredness. Selfishness, really. The verse is out of Philippians 2.4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. When you see a need in front of you, that is God giving you an opportunity to practice serving. And the number one enemy of compassion, I believe, is busyness. Being too busy. And we might even think it's a righteous thing because we have our own agenda, we have our own plans, we have our own dreams, our own goals, our own ambitions. And so we take this do not disturb disturb sign and we hang it on our hearts. We put it out there and we are just focused instead of saying, God, today, let me not think so much of myself, but let me think of you. Let me be available to serve in your name. Today. You will have someone come up to you with a need. Could be a neighbor. Could be someone in the mall. Could be someone at the stoplight. I don't know what it will be. 
But just know that that's not an interruption in your life. That's an appointment. What are you going to do with it? Second barrier that I know I face in my life is the barrier of perfectionism. Perfectionism. And let me kind of describe what I mean by that. We want things to be just perfect before we serve. One thing is kind of, you know, settle down. When my life kind of settles down and, you know, things are in order over here or I got this taken care of or my kid's a little older or my kid's a little this or that, then I'll be, someday I'll serve at First Baptist. Someday I'll get involved. Yeah, we've heard about the Connection Sunday. We've done it for five, ten years, you know. I, uh, someday I'll get there. Someday I'll get there. Someday I'll get there. You know what the Bible says about that? Ecclesiastes 11.4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. You do not have to be perfect. In America, and this is a self-confession, we have made an idol out of excellence. We think if we can't do it first class, then we don't or we shouldn't do it at all. Do you know the Greek term for that? Hogwash. That's just not true. That, 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 that should not be true. You, you do not have to do something perfectly to have God bless it. Now, I think it should be done well. I mean, one of our, ex, one of our values here is excellence. Anything we do, we should do it with great excellence. But God is more concerned about your willingness and your availability than he is with your perfection or with your excellence. Step in there and watch God fill in the gap. Uh, I mean, First Baptist, you have been so gracious with me. When I go back and look at some of the first messages I did 20, 25 years ago, they are pathetic. (laughs) And yet you prayed me through them. The first funeral I ever did, I had that person six feet underground in six minutes flat. (laughs) That was not good. That was not good at all. It was at a graveside. I still remember that. I was like, okay, I got to learn from this. I went back and I learned, okay, how do I do that in more of an excellent way? We don't have to do things perfectly. Do your best, get ready, set yourself up, but then do it and let God feel. It's okay to fail as long as you fail forward and learn from it. Because if God only used perfect people, nothing would get done. Because there's no perfect people around here. You know, when we have been uh, talking about community groups, and Pastor Susie and Mike are doing a great job of organizing and getting these community groups together, I know when I ask people about doing one, they have these huge eyes like, what? Me? I, I, I could never do something like that. Yes, you can. If you have been sitting in church for over, well, I won't even give you the time, but you know what it is. If you've just been kind of sitting in church and not getting involved, you can be available to open up your home. You can be available to uh, facilitate some sort of a study that we have coming up in the fall. We're going to get back into small groups. We're going to push those in communities and in homes, much like we did last fall. I think it's a valuable, valuable thing for us to do. And if you are around here and you've been in the Sunday school classes as a child, and you've even had some classes as an adult, and you, you know the gospel, then do not sit back. Get involved. In fact, I, I shared that thought a number of years ago in Crosswalk, and I said, don't sit down. Don't, don't um, uh, make me come out and ask you. And a gal come up to me after the service, and like she raised her hands like, okay, I surrendered. You got me. You got me. I, yes, I've been just sitting. And there are people who have been doing the same thing in here today. You don't have to be perfect to serve. You don't have to have it all together. Have a willing heart and have your feet walking towards the cross and saying, God, I humbly bow to what you want me to do. And and tonight, 
if you are willing and wanting to say, okay, I'll look at, at serving in some way, somehow. We're having a dinner at 5.30 in the Welcome Center. And um, if you would like to come be a part of that and hear what's going on for the fall time, we'd invite you to come. Pastor Susie will be out in the Welcome Center. Look for the big banner by the Next Step Center community groups. And um, just let us know you're coming because we need to have the food available. But don't let that be an excuse that you have to get it all right. You have to be perfect. You have to be this perfect kind of person. No, you don't. No, you don't. In fact, the more perfect people who try and do it, God has no room in there. God likes you when you know that you're not perfect so he can fill in the rest and you do it in his strength. Let me give you one last barrier to um, availability, and that is a form of laziness. Let's just call it what it is. We get lazy. Hebrews 6.12 says, So that you may not be sluggish or you may not be lazy, but be imitators of those who faith and patience inherit the promises. Follow the ones who are not lazy. Don't be a slugger. Don't be lazy. In our American culture, we have become so lazy in so many ways. I saw this demonstrated a number of years ago when my kids came home from a birthday party. And as they did, they had a lollipop. And, uh, and it was one of those round lollipops, you know, that you stick into your mouth, you kind of move it around, you lick it with your tongue and like that. They had this little gizmo thing that you put the stick of the lollipop into it and you push the button and the lollipop turns around on it as you put it into your mouth. Remember that? How lazy have we become when we can't even go like this with a lollipop? Unfortunately, that sneaks over into our spiritual faith as well, our spiritual life. We think, well, we can just kind of read the one-minute Bible, and that's all we'll do. And, or, well, okay, we'll give it three minutes or so. You know what I have to say about that? Let me say it this way. You cannot, you cannot expect to watch a three-hour movie or a TV show in a day and then read your Bible for three minutes and expect to grow spiritually. I am. I'm talking about it. Uh Uh-huh. I am. All right? All right? You can't expect to do that. Okay? So I'm just going to tell you, if you want to serve like Jesus, you have got to spend time with Jesus. You have got to get off your blessed assurances, okay? (laughs) And get active. Get involved. Serve. Make a difference. Now, I know many of you are, and I'm preaching to the choir for many of you. But for the rest of us, come on now. Let's think about this. You know, uh, I, I approached Pastor Mark um, a couple months ago, and I said, Pastor Mark, you do such a significant work with the Awana program. How can we help? And, and his simple call was, you know what? We just need more adults. We need people who will be there to work with our kids. And so we put a video together for the huge need that is there in the Iwana program that happens on Wednesday nights. Um, I'm going to ask you to listen to Jaron Blythe and Penny Bryan and Sarah Cota Jarvie as they talk about the ministry of Iwana and the blessing that comes out of the Iwana program as well. So take a look. I'm an Iwana leader and the TNT secretary. I'm Penny Bryan, and I am an Awana leader, and I serve as a Spark Secretary. Hi, my name's Jaron Blythe, and I am the Awana Commander. Yay! 
excitement, challenging, crazy, energy, rewarding, fun, opportunity, word. <laughs> I love working with kids and uh, sharing the Bible with them, sharing Jesus Christ with them. Um, I, God has given me those abilities and strengths to do that, and I love uh, using my abilities for His glory. And uh, when I saw the Awana Club here at First Baptist, I knew I wanted to be a part of it. I think it's a, a, a club that is so necessary and so important for kids um, to know the Bible and to memorize Scripture, and uh, I wanted to be a part of that. I didn't want to help in Awana. Um, I started because my husband wanted to be an Awana leader, and I came along with him. I don't even like children. You get tired. Um, by the end of the night, you get tired. But seriously, you get an opportunity to serve and to have fun at the same time, and you get a chance to see kids coming each week who are ready to um, hear about God and hear about God's Word and who have memorized scripture throughout the week and are ready to say it and to share it with you and their other their other friends in their group. My heart has changed so much for these kids that it's just been a huge growing experience for me. <laughs> so I think it's not just an opportunity to show kindness to kids and to have a relationship with the kids, but it's also an opportunity for you as an adult to grow in your in your walk. I just think it's important that we fully support in prayer and in signing our kids up, kids up, but also in signing up as adults to lead and so taking maybe taking your break from an adult Bible study that you're a part of um, and just and just see what God has for you in Awana. A book of books is what it took for God to get his message to us. He wrote it out, there is no doubt, he didn't want to leave us clueless. God put it all together and gave us all a perfect book. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, then there's Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra and Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, keep it going, Ecclesiastes and the Song of Psalms. Now that is just one of the many opportunities that we have for you to serve. And if you would like to, even today, look into that ministry at the Next Step Center. Pastor Mark has some information for you there. Let me just summarize it and end by saying this. Um, It's credited to Napoleon Bonaparte that one day he looked at a map of China, pointed at it, and said, There lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it will shake the world. I think of that with First Baptist Church. There lies a sleeping giant. Now, I know many of you serve, but many of you don't. Can you imagine how we would shake this city for Jesus if we were all serving? If we were all on board? That's a sleeping giant. 
Just wait. Can you imagine the nuclear reaction that would happen, not only here in Stockton, but in Bolivia, in Alaska, in Haiti, in Costa Rica, in Mexico, and all the other places, if it wasn't just a quarter of our church or, or a, a, a tenth of our church on the mission field, but 100% of us got on the mission field and served? And you were, you were created to serve. You were saved to serve. That's where you're going to find your self-worth. That's where you're going to find your significance. And so if you're ready even to do that today, you can head to the Next Step Center, but next week, come prepared, come prayed up, saying, God, lay upon my heart, where do you want me to get involved? Got it? Let's pray. God, it is a high calling to serve in your name. You think that highly of us. So my prayer is that we would be people who will be obedient and be faithful. Whether it be a ministry that is right here, already in place that we can step into, or whether it's something that you are developing in our hearts, the way that we have a passion or a life experience that calls us to serve. God, we're excited to minister alongside you, to serve in your name. We don't have to do it perfectly. We don't even have to know how it's all going to turn out. But God, may we step out in the name of Jesus and serve and give people a hope, give them a calling, give them your incredible love. God, thank you for thinking that highly of us. May we not let you down. May we just be available. May we step out and say yes. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.